This week on the podcast, a little nonprofit news for the week of August 16th. Here with us is Nick Azoulay. How's it going? Going good. How are you, George? Busy. I just had a, a week vacation and I came back and, well, I guess you know the news I ran into because we gathered it ourselves as we sent it out from the nonprofitnewsfeed.com newsletter. So let's get into it and figure out what's going on in the world of nonprofits. Sure, I can start us off. George, we have two really big, um, pretty devastating stories from different parts of the world. We'll start first down in the Caribbean with Haiti. So over the weekend, a 7.2 magnitude earthquake rattled Haiti, um, a devastating blow for a country that was already in the midst of severe political crisis. Um, The quake epicenter was located west of Port-au-Prince, so away from the most densely populated part of the country. Um, But that being said, the emergency has quickly expanded. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of deaths and casualties and they need a lot of assistance. So what you're going to start seeing over the next couple of days is different aid groups going in, probably um, governmental aid groups as well, going in to provide emergency assistance. But again, that Haiti is going to need help with um, long-term disaster response. Um, so we just wanted to highlight um, some organizations that have been doing a good job. So um, major disaster response organizations um, like AmeriCare, um, AmeriCares, excuse me, has already set up campaigns to set up direct aid. Um, Medicine Sans Frontieres, Doctors Without Borders, also has a very good reputation of um, helping out with uh, disaster response in Haiti. And this is all unfolding against a backdrop. I mentioned a political crisis, but parts of Haiti are still rebuilding from the earthquake 10 years ago. A seven, also a 7.0 earthquake um, centered near Port-au-Prince and lots of kind of, you know, hard, hard narratives about the efficacy of aid and all these kind of complicated and, and challenging conversations about um, disaster response have already been happening and even heightened in the news. And now we have this disaster. But we wanted to call out some nonprofits doing good work. Um, we also highlight in our newsletter an organization called Mission E4, which is registered out of Boston, but is run by Haitians that are local to the country. Um, and they do great on the ground work. So there's lots of these small organizations um, embedded on the ground that know the country and the culture um, that we recommend people check out and support. But uh, a pretty devastating blow. We we hope that um, the, the response is, is good, but... Um, yeah. And, you know, the top line numbers so far, obviously, you know, we're just recording it this week will be updated, but UNICEF saying that 1.2 million people have been impacted and the death toll climbing above 1400 people at this point with tropical storms coming in. So as you said, it is, um, it is, it is evolving and is certainly, um, you know, a growing, a growing disaster that will require various organizations working in concert to help the people on the ground and hopefully effectively, not to mention working with a government that just had their president Peter uh, assassinated. So, you know, what complications that add, you know, is hard to calculate. Yeah, I think I think that's an important narrative to think about um, because, you know, the efficacy of aid after the previous earthquake has often been criticized. But I think, and I think criticism is fair and important, but you also need to remember that this is one of the most complicated and difficult 
places to enact um, any kind of um, emergency response in the world, um, government politics notwithstanding. So something we'll watch closely. Uh, I hope it unfolds the best it can, given the, um, the really challenging circumstances. And this turns our attention to our next story, which again, uh, another uh, pretty devastating bit of news to come out of Afghanistan, where um, the capital of the country, Kabul, has fallen to the Taliban. This comes after the 20 years of U.S. military presence, um, but with the withdrawal um, that has been happening very quickly, uh, the Taliban has seized control of major cities and then on Sunday seized control of the capital. Um, so as we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, many of our listeners who have been following may have already seen um, photos and videos of folks just desperately trying to get out of the country. And um, this is a real, a real challenging story. Um, there's, you know, you, you want to say it's going <laughs> to uh, get better, um, but it's, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Um, so the Taliban, uh, of course, will enforce uh, really strict um, Sharia law in the country. Um, you know, there's lots of questions about um, whether girls who've been attending school will be allowed to do so. Um, so many great NGOs and nonprofits have been doing work in the region and will continue to do so. Um, but they're going to be set back. They are now working with a government and at odds with many of these organizations' mission. Um, these organizations have been promoting women's rights and human rights, and you know this is a a, a devastating blow to that that mission work. So, um, in our newsletter, we highlighted organizations like a small one um, called Sahar um, and others that operate in the country, providing uh, education to women in particular. But um, Again, a difficult story to follow. I think in the coming days, the, the most pressing thing is evacuating people who need to be, particularly those um, who worked with the U.S. throughout the 20 years in the country um, and our military engagement there. But um, yeah, nonprofits, th that's what remains. The nonprofits are, are the heroes that are going to remain in the country um, doing the hard work on the ground. So we applaud them. We hope everyone is uh, safe and we'll continue to follow the story. Yeah, I mean, you touch on elements of journalism that has been going on and support, as well as uh, you know, women's rights and narratives around Sarifa Gavari, who is the first, I believe, female mayors um, out in Kabul, is, you know, just making these heartbreaking statements of saying, like, they, you know, they, the Taliban, are, are certainly coming for me, are going to kill people like me. So, you know, taking a step back and nonprofits that are in that sphere making statements about, you know, what this may mean for, for women's rights in the, in the country. This isn't a political podcast and, you know, we're, you know, not here to dissect should you have stayed gone, waited or um, what have you, but we do look at how this is going to ripple into the nonprofit ecosystem. Um, and just to track back, you know, if you look at Google trends, actually, look, there's no good time for an earthquake there's certainly no good time for a government to be toppled, but when they both happen in the same weekend, what we're seeing on Google Trends, which is a, a way of looking and comparing about the way people are searching as well as news references, we have Haiti spike, obviously, over the weekend first, 
Um, and, but then very quickly, the news of Kabul following and the president, um, you know, leaving office soon takes over the news cycle and takes over in like a dramatic way where it uh, immediately suppresses news and hides a lot of news and interest in Haiti. Now, that is important because donations to disasters are at their peak in those first few days, weeks when they occur. And, and that's when a lot of uh, nonprofit disaster relief organizations step up and make their calls to action. And, and so, you know, there's no good time for any of this to happen. When it happens at once, it's, um, it's, really, it's really tough. Absolutely. It's a, it's a tough situation. Um, and, and we're rooting all the folks who've done such good work, um, uh, both the people of the country, the, the aid workers, um, and yeah, every, everyone involved, but something will definitely have to follow. All right, let's move into our other summary pieces we have, Nick. Sure, George. Um, I have the first one. Uh, the first story is from the San Francisco Chronicle, and it just talks about the need that of another COVID wave. Um, we have an article um, and an organization calling for the funding of nonprofits that assist vulnerable Bay Area residents. Um, so the, the gist of the article here is that you want to reach hard to access folks in the community, often the most vulnerable folks in the community, particularly the Black community in the Bay Area. Um, these smaller nonprofits are the organizations that are best equipped to do so. Um, and the article goes on to talk about the challenges of, you know, applying for grants and the RFP process and, you know, all the kind of bureaucratic uh, barriers to getting aid to these super small um, but well-equipped organizations. Um, so uh, a worthwhile article to just kind of stay abreast of, of issues as it comes to, you know, vaccinating local populations. Yeah, and they just make that note about when government moves quickly, they tend to just fund larger organizations um, while while missing the the smaller ones that have deeper uh, and more local, tangible connections to the community. So it's good to see some of this trickle down happen. And you know, we're starting to talk about you know booster shots before we've even you know gotten uh, everyone up to the same level of vaccination. So you know, the work is still out there and still needs to be done. Absolutely. Let's, let's get it done. <laughs> you know, everything we got, we got to, we got to throw at it. It's, it's now or never. Um, absolutely. Our next story is a little bit of a strange one. Um, a Tampa man, um, this comes from the ABC news affiliate in Tampa, Florida, um, who was a former accounting manager for a nonprofit has pleaded guilty to embezzling almost $13 million, most of which got spent on adult websites. Um, so this person worked at uh, USF's uh, University Medical Service Association um, within the USF health system down there. But uh, he's facing up to 20 years in prison for embezzlement. Uh, just goes to show that you need more than one person reading your books and, and checking your books. Uh, you know, nonprofit industry is not immune from, from bad actors and, and individuals. Um, so this is just, I would say, another cautionary tale in making sure that everything is accounted for and maybe have more than just one person in charge of that. 
Yeah, the checks and balances, in addition to uh, making sure your culture is one that you can challenge and make questions of people um, that are in senior roles, because, you know, this is an extreme side. Um, and I think you didn't mention it, but somehow this uh, this report says that he spent it all on adult websites. So it's insult to injury when it comes to the reputation um, of, you know, of the organization and institution. So let this be a reminder and we will remind when these big things come up double check the books absolutely check your books all right uh here's a good news story um so we have just the announcement of the 2021 john w gardner leadership award recipients dr gail c christopher and professor john a uh owl um, and, uh, yeah, this is just a, I wanted to highlight, you know, lots of awards within the sector. Um, but this is one that's worthy of attention. Yeah. And a quick shout out here to the independent sector, um, that also has an upcoming conference in October, the upswell, upswell.org conference. Yes, that's a great call out. Our next and last story from the summary is that beginning uh, yesterday, uh, Louisiana has announced a COVID relief program offering up to $25,000 to nonprofits and small businesses. Uh, the state of Louisiana, unfortunately, is one of the epicenters of the Delta surge in the country. Their uh, test positivity rate is through the roof. Um, but Great to see the state stepping in to help um, out nonprofits and small businesses um, through such a difficult time. Um, so you like to see it. Yeah. And, you know, I included this here because it may be uh, a sign that other, you know, counties and states may follow suit with regard to sort of the echoes of a PPP or a small business, small business association, SBA loans, you name it. So look, keep an eye out, ask your financial folks to say, hey, look around and, and see if these programs are out there. Because if you remember, they move quickly when they open up. So keep an eye on your you know small business associations, your county, your state uh, updates about this type of support. Because when it says businesses, nonprofits are just a 501c3 and do qualify frequently, oftenly, and you know, certainly deserve it. Absolutely. All right, Nick. And finally, what do we have? Feel good stories. Sure. I have a feel good story and I think you'll appreciate this one, George. Um, this is about a nonprofit, um, a nonprofit organization called Glass Act that works on recycling glass and I, to be honest, I didn't know you could recycle glass, but it turns out you can. There's a nonprofit doing it. Um, and this article highlighted uh, in the news rundown just talks about how they're building a community of new glass recyclers. Um, and, and, you know, glass, much like plastic, is extremely not biodegradable. Um, so this is a, a really important step. Um, I never really thought about how much glass we have um, in our country. And yeah, a, a nonprofit picking up the pieces and <laughs> recycling them into something new. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously you knew that glass could be recycled, but they were like reusing it to make, you know, colored sand and glass beads and, um, you know, reuse it. So they have a machine that goes one bottle at a time, they're bringing it in, but it's something to bring awareness to the community about recycling the different ways you can use it. I actually, I saw this article, Nick, and I, and I, um, I looked online. Did you know you can get like a glass cutter for like 30 bucks? So I think I'm, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to start uh, making my own vases and interesting projects. My wife's going to be thrilled that I picked up another hobby. I love it. It sounds uh, messy and kind of dangerous and kind of cool. Yeah, as a father of two children, I can't see any downside whatsoever at all. That's what we have for you this week on the Nonprofit News Feed, nonprofitnewsfeed.com, a product of wholewell.com, which is why sometimes you hear both those intros and outros together. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com slash university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 